This week on Squats and Margaritas, it's former NFL tight end and recovered bulimic Patrick Deveni. I saw him on an Instagram live and it was just so inspiring to see him share his story as a man, as an athlete who struggled with an eating disorder. He's fully healed. He has been through the process of therapy and recovery. And because I'm not there yet, I want to talk to him. I want to share my story with him, get his thoughts, figure out how it started for him, see if there are any parallels. And hopefully we can help anyone who is struggling now, especially during this isolating time in the world. And Squats and Margaritas is now brought to you by my favorite water, Flow Alkaline spring water. I drink it every day. There's all different flavors, but no fruit juice, no calories, no sugar. Um, You can check them out at flowhydration.com and use Squats and Margaritas 20 to get 20% off your order. Here's my episode with Patrick Deveni. How are you? I'm so good. Thank you so much for doing this. It's nice to meet you. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. I, uh, I was so excited. I was looking forward to it all week. Yeah, I guess I should have said I met, I met you. I, discovered you when you were doing a live with Rebecca Eyre, the uh, CEO of Project Heal. And I had just had her on my podcast, which we had to talk about that too. Learned a lot about myself um, on that (laughs) podcast, but it was just so inspiring to see you just so openly share your story. And I think there's a lot of stigma with eating disorders that it's young white women. And for a man, especially an athlete, a pro athlete to come out and be like, hey, I struggle too. I just gravitated towards you. You had something on your website, take back what's controlling you and live the life that you were meant to live. And that's why you're doing this. And I just wanted you to come on and first just share your story. Yeah, the, well, yes, thank you. Um, Rebecca's amazing. Uh, I think you mentioned a few things that, that I always kind of resonate with that more so than even just males, especially athletes, it's definitely, um, eating disorders and body dysmorphia and all these like crazy uh, intense wordings. Um, I feel like most people actually Mm -hmm. struggle. And I'm sure we'll totally dive into that. But um, it's way more common than people think. And unfortunately, most of the time, people applaud um, others for kind of some behaviors that we don't really realize are actually taking control of your life. so a quick kind of backstory elevator pitch on myself. Um, I uh, played football at the University of Colorado from 2005 to 2009 and uh, had a brief cup of coffee. Not like your husband. I want to clarify that. It's okay. <laughs> Hell of a career. I had a brief cup of coffee, but in that journey, um, it's kind of the there's this transition out of sports that I think you see it. Um, ESPN put out the big documentary broke where, you know, I think it was like 80% of ex NFL guys are broke, divorced, clinically depressed um, three years after they're done playing. And whether you're in football or not, I think there's this always life throws a lot of curveballs at you and there's this transition. And for me in that transition, at, when I was at CU, I was kind of joke, but my senior year, we had two guys that played football at CU that made Forbes 30 under 30. And I just kind of, I was a good student. Um, I felt like I was well-connected. I would say college is not about 
what you know, but who you know. And I just kind of felt yeah. like I would transition out of football and be totally fine and make Forbes list. And uh, that's <laughs> necessarily the case. And so what I dove into instead of drugs, alcohol, um, partying, any of that kind of stuff was really kind of my diet. And I, my three best friends all went on to play um, longer careers, some very longer, but um, I was kind of in this weird phase of keeping up with the Joneses. And I always said to myself, if I wasn't going to be in the NFL, I better look like it. And that was kind of my, the beginning of the end um, in my story where I really started to focus so much on my, what I was eating, how hard I was working out, first one in the gym, blah, blah, blah. And in 2015, I became super addicted. I've never looked better, quote unquote. And yes. uh, in 2015, my mom passed away unexpectedly. And I kind of just instantly, and I was starting to kind of lose it, but I really nosedived on my willpower with food. Yeah. And I started binging like crazy and heavy, heavy bulimic episodes, uh, whether that was purging, which a lot of people don't really understand, but purging and or... Um, over-exercising, totally, <laughs> totally. I, both of them. I did both, bulimia and exercise bulimia. Totally. Same. And, and unfortunately, in that case, that case in point, exercise bulimia is more, people applaud you for it. Like, look how hard you're working out. It's so amazing. I wish I had your work ethic, blah, blah, blah. But meanwhile, I was so isolated, subtle uh, yes. thoughts, super depressed, all the above. But I looked great. I mean, I couldn't go eat dinner with anybody because I wasn't weighing my food. But um, so anyways, I came across a podcast just similar to this that I just so happened to be listening to. Um, really, it was on a, it was <laughs> the podcast was by a guy who kind of made if it fits your macros famous. Um, oh. That whole diet thing, which I really thought I really wanted to learn about because the concept of being able to put in foods that I couldn't eat was really appealing, right? <laughs> like yeah. Yeah. in foods, just calories. And he happened to have a clinician on there talking about eating disorders. And that was, there's a whole nother long story into that, but that was kind of like this awakening, everything she said, I was like, wait a second, you are literally destroying my life. Um, mm -hmm. And so from there, I sought treatment, and um, that was a hell of a journey. <laughs> and then um, the one thing I noticed, though, looking around as a male when I was going through it, there was no one to look up to and no one to type in and just say males with eating disorders. And instead, I got inundated with women and all this different marketing and messaging that just didn't resonate with me. And I, at that point, I said, I make it through this I at least just want to be a voice that as a an athlete male female it doesn't matter something to try to resonate with in that story because unfortunately to to what you opened with not many people understand this whole concept of an eating disorder no and now you are that person Patrick like you are the person that people look for like for guidance and like to not feel alone and that's why I wrote my book I'll share my story um, but it was so that that girl that's still in it doesn't feel alone. Like me too. And so many people have reached out to me and said that I'm the first person that they have told that they're bulimic or anorexic because I'm safe because I, I said me too. So you right. sharing that story 
and you're going to be that person now that you didn't have. Um, we do have a lot in common. Um, I was a Division One soccer player. Um, I didn't make it to a professional level. And stop saying cup of coffee. You played at the highest level. Not 2% of the world can say that. Um, so I mine was, I was so obsessed with soccer. And I didn't really realize how bad it was until I wrote my book. But I'll like look back, we had to write this journey project in high school and everything was like five years from now, 20 years from now. Everything was like to have a successful college soccer career, to still be in shape and working out. And I read that now and I'm just like, oh, like that's what was important to me. And in high school, it was like thin equaled in shape and good right. for soccer. So dealt with anorexia um, in high school until a coach was like, your crosses aren't strong anymore. You're getting really skinny. And when he equated it to soccer and I was like, my crosses aren't strong. Like, I was like, okay. So then I was like, I'm gonna eat. But then it evolved as eating disorders do into exercise bulimia where I had little note cards and I would write down every calorie of everything I ate. And then I would go downstairs on the elliptical and I would just work off the same amount of calories. And I'm like, I'm eating, but I'm canceling it out. So totally. that went on um, through high school. Yeah, and then ex then when I got to high school, I mean, excuse me, when I got to col I, college, I trained all summer, came in and won all the fitness competitions and was like ready to go. And in high school, I never came off the field. Like I started varsity as a freshman, I was the captain, we won state championship back to back years. Like every, I'm just like on cloud nine, I come in and I'm sitting on the bench. And I didn't, I didn't know what to do with that. Like I don't, I didn't know how to handle that. and as hard as I was working and you know, and then college sports, like that's all you do. You put so much into it and to not play, I ended up quitting my sophomore year and I still lived in the soccer house and the girls were like, go to the games. And I was just like, I lost myself. And I just losing that soccer identity, I fell into depression. That's when actual bulimia started because I think like you said, it's something that you could control. Like everything fell out of control, but I could do that and I ended up struggling with bulimia for 10 years. And it all stemmed when I lost that soccer identity because it was the most important thing to me. No question. So, yeah. And I'm sure I, you, was soccer, like was your football and like sports and like athletic excellence like something that drove you growing up? That, that was honestly all that drove me. I came, it's, it's kind of funny as I've gone through this recovery journey, I've had an opportunity to kind of reflect and people always ask me like when did the eating disorder start and it's really hard for me to kind of describe that um primarily sports for me my parents got divorced when i was in first grade so the one thing that really happened for me was i was living with my mom and my dad was the ultimate sports dad first one at practice last one there like that that was our bond so i, I quickly equated sports with like this relationship and mm -hmm. then you get that snowball effect of all of a sudden you have that relationship the better you become the more he's around the more happy your family is then all of a sudden everyone starts to notice you and you start to kind of like really validate yourself through sports and that quickly started to happen for me i mean my mom didn't let me play football until i was a freshman in high school so then I, uh, it just like ramped like so quick. Um, and 
I think the hard part looking back with sports, sports to, I mean, to your point, like, especially in soccer, like now I'm a huge soccer fan, primarily. I look at these guys and I think it was uh, in the last World Cup or pretty sure it was World Cup, but Luka Modric, they showed like up until the final, he had already run 45 miles. And I was like, dude, I've never run 45 miles in my entire life. Like how, <laughs> how do you right. like that happen? So I, I respect those guys, but especially in a sport like soccer, but also football, wrestling, any of that stuff, no matter, no matter what you're really eating, it's you're working out so much. And yeah, so it, right. it, and then it's like, especially on a football team where it's like the buffet and it's like, how much can you eat? And all this stuff that when you're done, all of a sudden you're like, wait a second, I don't know how to cook for myself. I don't know how to <laughs> eat myself. I don't know how to do any of this stuff. And you're still like used to, I mean, when I was playing at my peak, I was trying to get 8,000 calories a day in chicken breast, broccoli and brown rice. And and then all of a sudden you're done and I'm working out for 45 minutes or an hour a day. And yes. all of a sudden- I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> you can't work out like you did, like a division one strength and conditioning program. You could eat whatever you want. But then it was like, I quit so like, just out of the blue that I was like, well, you know, I'll still go to the gym. And then that, that was another thing that like, my mind, I, I couldn't go to the athlete building anymore. I had to go work out at like the student rec. And I was just like, it, did something and it made me i don't know like i'd be like oh i'm gonna do 45 minutes on the elliptical but it, nothing is like that and your body's changed you're gonna put on weight and then i um went towards bulimia to make up for it but i don't know about you and the more research i've done i was the heaviest that i was ever when i was bulimic i was puffy and bloated and i think when people think bulimic oh you get rid of your food and you're really skinny I was not like I, my body, I had thrown off my hormones so badly right. by all the purging that I was just a bloated, like 20 pounds heavier uh, version of myself. And it doesn't make you lose weight. It didn't make me lose weight. Well, I think, so there's two things there real quick. I think you mentioned yeah. we're playing, yeah. especially with athletics. Um, you kind of come in and you expect to play. And when you're not, you're already at this level of training so hard. And then all of a sudden, like I was the classic guy that you would do your team workout. You'd be like, Oh man, that was the hardest thing ever. And then like all the guys would leave be like, all right, have a good weekend. And then like wait for him to turn and go back to the gym and do more. And, and you yeah. don't all of a sudden, like you reach this, your like threshold. And then you're going to either, if like if your desire to play and desire to win is that high, you're going to either turn towards super hard exercise, all the above, um, and or in a lot of sports, performance enhancing drugs, any of that stuff that's going to get that edge. Um, I mean, again, I always talk about it with football, especially where it, dude, if you shave off a tenth of a second on your forty, you're talking about a thirty million dollar signing bonus, like. Boom! Give me thirty million dollars for my family. I'm playing for my family, and if I'm going to yeah. do out, like there's 100. percent Where do I find it? That becomes the bigger question. And so you're always in that consistent, like competitive edge. And then when you're done, that was the hardest part too. Is I think when I was in the thickest of my bulimia, my body never hurt worse. <laughs> like to, yeah. to, so swollen. Everyone would applaud me for how I looked, but I've never felt worse. I mean, I had no energy. 
no matter what I did. And I was always on pre-workout, all the above. And just like, again, willpower getting through it. But yeah, it was the worst feeling in the world. Um, I was talking to my husband about it. Like, when does like striving for excellence in your sport, like you said, like shaving off one second of your 40, he was, I was telling him what we were doing this. And he's like, when do you know that like you crossed a line? Like, this is dangerous. Like, when is it? Because he was talking, I learned so much today just talking to him about this. The NFL finds you if you're over your weight that you're supposed to be at, you get fined. Oh, yeah. You know about that? Yeah. That is, yeah. that, to somebody that had an eating disorder? That's what I'm dangerous. That's the worst part. Um, I've been fortunate to kind of travel around and talk to programs, like college programs a lot. And mm -hmm. it's always a question of like, well, what can we do for our athletes? And like, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, Unfortunately, with an eating disorder, it's tough because, I mean, exactly to that point. I remember when I was at CU, and if you were on a I, – I went there as a quarterback, and I got switched to tight end. So hmm. all, and overnight, I need to gain 40 pounds. Yeah. I need to gain more weight, get bigger, stronger, faster, and leaner, right? So it's the worst equation of all time. And, um, and, you, and all of a sudden, your strength coach – I mean, they're getting paid a lot of money, their livelihoods on the line. And most of the time it's in very bad, like science. They're trying to get you there. They have to go sit down with the head coach three months from now and say, yeah, he hit his goal. They got a bonus on the line, all the above. Mm. So I always say it with like, when I was at CU, if you were on a weight training program, you basically had to walk in and this isn't just CU, this is across the board. Yeah. If you are on a weight gain program, you basically come in and he'd pull up his sheet and be like, all right, Patrick, you need to weigh 238 today. You were 235 yesterday or the day before when I weighed you. So it's not uncommon for guys to stuff two and a half pound plates. That's in what said, yeah. Because <laughs> you, like, you are all of a sudden for us, you know, in college they can't find you, but they'd make you drink protein shakes. You'd sit there, you can't leave. Um, and then if you watch, I always say too, like if anyone wants to see like the worst thing ever for eating disorders is look at the NFL combine where these, you walk in like where you're pro day and shirts off, you're only in your girdle. They're squeezing you, pinching you, how, you know, it matters how big your hands are, all the above that every ounce of it, unfortunately, again, like that's the million dollar question. When is it too far? But yeah. the hard going back taking a step back was when I sit down with any program it's like you're basically telling a player though when it's reached this point you now need to step away from the sport for however long to get right and then can you ever really reach the Michael Phelps level of sports without it like without yeah. that drive and advantage I don't know that's it's a hell of a question that Honestly, I'd probably have to say, I don't know if you can. It's more about the transition out of sports like when it's all done. It's like a death. It's like the death of your athlete self. And then you have to reinvent yourself something different from what you've always identified as. And like you and I said, and it was the most important thing. And that's gone now. It's like yeah. a death. It and is. that's when things happen. Yeah. And that's, and the worst part, I mean, if you look at it, I mean, I think the NFL, and again, looking at your husband, I mean, the NFL, the league average is three years. At three years and three games, you're on the pension program. So if you're a borderline guy, you're gone. 
So at three years, you're 25 years old and your career's done. And that's a hell of an accomplishment. Let alone if you're Tom Brady, who's like, you look at anybody right now and they're like, gosh, he's just like old man rivers. He's 43, or whatever. <laughs> my husband's is. 43. Same as my husband. They came out together and he's still playing. That's what I'm saying. So like, yeah. Imagine, you know, any other career where it's like, you're going to retire at 65, yeah. like we'll go through a, like a phase of like, well, I guess I want to really take off with my TB12 diet or whatever goofy thing that is, but he's not, he's going to lose that. And that's why he's not giving it up. Like, it's pretty crazy to yeah. think or to your career, it's short lived. So how do you, you know, how do you try to achieve that? And you see so much depression after sports that, it's tough at such a young age. Yeah, I, it, it makes me sad to think about it. I wanted to talk to you about the fact that you just, you recognized you had a problem and you were like, I'm gonna get help and go to therapy. I obviously knew I had a problem, but I was nowhere near the point of admitting it to anyone. I felt such shame about it. I never got treatment, like to this day. So I have learned a lot about myself lately and I wanted to talk to you about what you got from therapy and I know it was hard, right? You had to pay. That's like why I talked to Project Heal because they fund therapy. Didn't you say you had to like pay out of pocket like twice a week therapy? Oh, yeah, I basically just blew it all trying to go through it. Uh, oh, it was, yeah, insurance wouldn't cover a damn thing. So you went to therapy and how yeah. long were you? So I, I was, the blessing in disguise was I had really reached this point, like it, it's hard to say, but like my life had reached this point after my mom died of like, I was rock bottom. Like I was literally living in my house, could only have like vegetables and oatmeal and like raw meat because I couldn't have food in the house. By every meal I'd have to go out and get it, which still how I would binge. Um, I was so depressed and just so broken down and isolated. Like I was scared to death to go to a friend's birthday party or any of that kind of stuff. So literally it felt like listening to that podcast was like a lifeline. Like it was just like, what the hell did you just say? Like, what is this? And that feeling of being able to say like, you know, I'm, I'm carrying this burden and it's the weight of the world, but it feels like myself, like, it felt like willpower. So this thought of being able to be like, dude, bulimia, take my hat off, hanging on that and be like, that's, this is bigger than just me. Yeah. Was the most relieving feeling of all time. And then I became, um, I was super interested. So I started to try to reach out to whoever I could to learn about like an eating disorder and like you. And I mean, athletes are very much like coach, tell me how high to jump and I'll jump. But, Otherwise, I don't know what to do. So I was looking for something. Yeah. And I'll never forget. I always kind of joke, but I had reached out to a clinician and she sent me all this stuff. And the first email I ever got was like, um, males with ED was the name of the, the headline on the email. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, look, things are really bad, but I don't know if I want to. <laughs> I'm not there. <laughs> I'm not, I'm actually okay. I'm good. And, and, <laughs> that was a huge part in my journey that I started to realize like how, again, it sounds kind of goofy or cliche, but if you're a male that is like, what the hell is an eating disorder? And all of a sudden now you're, I mean, look at all the clinics out there. They're all ED blah, yeah. all this stuff. And you're like, it's hard enough to admit you had a problem to go to therapy, 
then you're dealing yes. around dysfunction into the whole scenario. And there's this like disconnect of, of the messaging. So I ended up, and at the time, I didn't even know about inpatient. I had no clue what the hell that was. But I ended up going to twice a week with my therapist. And again, I, I kind of showed up being like, cool, is this gonna be one or two sessions? Like, what's the deal? And I got some stuff I want to talk about with like life after football and mom. So like, okay. And next thing I know, it was 24 weeks, twice a week, four weeks, just to normalize my eating pattern. Like wow. I had gotten so deep into intermittent fasting, paleo. Um, so I wasn't even eating breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Uh, I was, I, I was eating dinner, but I didn't have breakfast, lunch, and then I would stop eating. So I had to introduce breakfast, lunch, two snacks and dessert. And that took 24 weeks because my, my brain was, and like you said, like all your hormones, everything are so out of whack. I couldn't even touch on mom or any of that stuff yet. Um, until I was in a place where I could actually comprehend it. Like it, I truly was in this, just such a bad headspace only ever, ever thinking about food. So my, my recovery journey was a lot longer than I expected. Um, and then after that, it became a balance of just trying to like live life and, and step out into the real world and not be afraid of things. But you did it and it's gotta be well worth it. I never got treatment. And I think my book got, I wanna say like mislabeled, but the intention of my book was to show that now that I live with balance, I am healthy and I'm happy. And I did happen to lose 20 pounds, living life with balance, lifting heavier, drinking cocktails every day. And it was basically to say, after all those years of restricting and binging and purging and wanting this perfect physical ideal, I got it living with balance. And to the woman who is frustrated and on the, uh, treadmill every day, seven days a week like I was, only eating salads and not losing weight, here's how I ended up doing that. But because I shared my story of eating disorders, my book got to a lot of women in that community. And um, I remember the first, one of the first reviews I got on Amazon was like two stars. I do not recommend this book for eating disorder recovery. This woman's language is not, she's not recovered and she uses fat phobic language. And I was so defensive, like saying, I, this is not an eating disorder book. And now looking back on it, having talked to Rebecca, I know exactly what that woman was saying. And I had Rebecca on my podcast. And for anybody, Rebecca Ayer is the um, CEO of Project Heal. And I am talking, and it's her and I like this, like one-on-one. -on -one. And every time I would say certain things, she'd be like, like I could see her going, Ugh. and I was like, what? And she said, in a different context, I might say, and I was like, no, I, tell me, I don't want to, I never went to therapy. I don't want to trigger people or use the wrong language. And she said, basically, I still have that fat phobic thing. And the reason I'm happy living with balance is because I achieved my physical ideal. And she said, had you not lost 20 pounds and just stopped um, the eating disorder behaviors and found this life of balance, would you have written the book? And I was like, no. I wouldn't have, because I wanted to help the woman that's frustrated and do, restricting and just say, live with balance, do it in a healthy way. And she essentially said, I'm using balance to maintain my weight, 
which is what I was doing before with the eating disorder. And I just kind of was like, I, I don't even, I didn't have therapy. So I want to talk to you about that because you obviously are maintaining a physical ideal. You look like you could step on the field now, but she said it shouldn't be about that anymore. And I, I want to talk to you about that because you're still in physical shape and it's just not important to you. <laughs> uh, the million dollar question, right? So I think, I think it's important for people to understand like, in, I, I know exactly. Go ahead, don't, and don't try to not like make not hurt my feelings. Like I need. Oh no no no! no. It's yeah. not even not even about. It. <laughs> I laugh and I'm not laughing. I can resonate <laughs> because every time, um, I love the advocacy work, um, and I really out the gates really became super passionate about it, and that's like all I wanted to do. Hence why I wanted to just do as much talking as I could, make it a career, did a TED talk, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And I got to a point though where I was really tired of needing to censor myself. Um, okay. So I, I think struggle with it. Really, I, I really do because for me, I needed those third party stories and practicals again. And, and, and maybe there's a disconnect between and I know a lot of people in the eating disorder space that are deal with athletes primarily, but athletes need tangible results. They hate the gray area and black and white and any of that yeah. kind of stuff. And tell me how to jump and I'll jump. So it, it is really hard to step into um, speaking and they're like, you can't bring up specifics, you can't bring up weight, you can't bring up all this yes. stuff. When for me, I was like, no, dude, like, I need to know what the hell are you, like, actually talking about? Because yes. a lot of that being this super, like, yeah, you need disorders are tough, like, the road to recovery is possible, and you're kind of like, okay, but I still don't know what it, like, what are you actually talking about? And so I always try to say, like, if you want to experience disordered eating, for sure, and there's a disconnect between, it's like a phase going from disordered eating to an eating disorder, right? Like, it's, it's an evolution that will lead to, um, a full-blown eating disorder, but yeah. the initial phase of it is go stand by the dumbbell rack at any gym for 10, 15 minutes. It's the most of the gym and everyone, you sit there, take your headphones out and someone's like, dude, I cut sugar because I'm doing this. And some like goofy zero science based. And that's the problem yeah. with health and fitness spaces. Most people, a guy, who just cuts all his calories, cuts carbs, or goes quote unquote keto, which is like yeah. my, the demise of me as a human, because in order to be in ketosis, like it's really hard. And I feel like every person now is like, I'm on a keto diet. I'm like, no, like bullshit. You're on really high fat, low, everything else. That's all you're doing. But really all you're doing is restricting calories. And so then someone will lose weight, take their photos and then, become a fitness coach, but has zero background in any yeah. of the, right? So it's really pro science. And the hard part is then trying to get out there and do the like talking about it and like actually expressing what was happening. And I think it's important to understand eating disorders for me, and I'll just say for myself, cause I'm not a clinician, but it, when life truly starts to become a scientific equation, like you said, you counted calories, you went to the elliptical or Stairmaster and you burnt that exact thing. Yeah. I 
sit down every single night, track all my food, put it in the phone. I had, if I was, if I went over a certain macro or calorie, it was like the end of the world. If I was under, I was like cutting cheese and combining it with a piece of toast and like, okay, I weighed it out. And like, if that starts to become your life, um, obsession, obsession over it. I remember my friends made so much fun of me. I went one time to dinner and I was so afraid to go to dinner, but I had pre-cooked my chicken breast and had it in a Ziploc baggie in my pocket, ordered a salad with the dressing on the side and I showed up and I put the chicken breast on there so I could be like, oh cool, I'm so in my macros. And they were all like, Pfft. No, I get it. <laughs> we're just a nice restaurant in LA and they're like, uh, what the hell, is, what are you doing? And I'm like, no, dude, it's, um, you know, I'm trying to get to my body fat, whatever. And, uh, and so through like starting to realize, and then also becoming super obsessed with the gym and like mm -hmm. the workout, if I like the, the thought of missing a day would give me anxiety. Oh my God. Like yeah. I couldn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why I think I was saying with Rebecca and I was like, I always get afraid of like, I know enough people that are close to Dwayne Johnson and I'm like waiting I for, oh, this is just going to bite me in the ass and I'm going to get a phone call from his people. But I think he's horrible for any young man, primarily because it's always like, dude, I flew from Hawaii to Japan straight to the gym, you know, and I'm doing this and that and like, two hours of sweet love, sleep, sweat equity. Like that was me. I looked up to Dwayne Johnson was like, if he can do it, I'm going to do it. Uh, not knowing if he's on steroids or HGH or any of this kind of stuff. Like it's super gnarly. So like that gets applauded. He's has so many followers on Instagram, but it's super unhealthy and very dangerous. And so yes. for the recovery process, People are like, I always say success and recovery for me was always not beating myself up when I do fit because I, you know, I have 32 years of training my brain to think, or, you know, 33 now, but call it at the time I was 28 when I was diagnosed. So I had 28 years of thinking a certain way. So then trying to brain and say like, Okay, I overate. I'm not going to beat myself up. I'm not going to go sprint to the gym. I'm just going to let it be, or I'm going to not work out tomorrow. Any of that stuff. And I still like, I still love working out. Um, but I try to just always check myself and like see yeah. if I'm super competitive. Do I get triggered over something that I'm like, oh, I'm going to lose that weight? And being like, okay, reel it back in, calm down. It's not about that. Like, what makes you feel good? It always sounds like so cliche of like, just do what your body tells you. Um, but it is kind of true. Like, if you really but enjoy is, something, it, then do it. it. But I, I'll be completely honest. I work out the way I do, and I lift heavy to maintain a physical ideal. But I know what it's like to live with an eating disorder because it took over my multiple eating disorders my whole life, all day long. I would think about the next time I was gonna binge and purge and um, what food I had in the house. I was out in a snowstorm once being like, what the hell are you doing? Trying to get to a convenience store so I could binge. I knew I had a problem. I know what it's like to live that way. I truly thought I was healed because I do live with balance now. I don't stress out if I don't work out seven days a week where 
before you could pay me to take a day off. I would, when you said that right. earlier, I, the soccer games, if I didn't go in or if I played for 15 minutes in college, I, I always ran. I went and um, went yeah. to the gym and worked out after games. Obsessive. I don't have that anymore. And it was like, like you said, listen to your body. It's cliche. The weight fell off. And now I don't think about it as much because it's just, I'm not abusing my body. And I guess if I'm using balance to maintain my weight, I'm using a healthy way to do it. But what Rebecca's saying is your, it's still about your weight. And I hear that, but I do feel better when I'm in my best physical body. And I wonder if that's because I didn't get the treatment and I didn't talk to anybody about it. So physically I'm healed. I don't abuse my body anymore, but it is still about that for me. And I wonder if like this will always be with me, like an eating disorder will always just kind of be looming even though I'm not abusing my body anymore. I don't know. I definitely think there is full recovery. I think my, the always kind of train of thought for me goes to like, you know, you said it, it's not an issue. You don't work out seven days a week. Well, like, what's your breaking point? Like, can you go on a two-week vacation and not work out? Like, and be like, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yes, yeah, you're okay. I'm fine not doing seven. But if I, if you ask me not to five, now okay. I'm, and, and if that anxiety still comes up, and again, that stuff becomes real. But I, I think you the problem when and that's why you see so much of like again i I, so much of like yo-yo dieting and over exercising then you just walk away from it totally and and to your point like i think balance is the goal but i think internal question of always asking yourself like okay like and i you know i always use this of like do i do i go by orange theory fitness and all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, shit, like, yeah, that's right. I'm going to go home and go work out. I want to get after, like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Bye. Um, or whatever, like, is there something that kind of triggered me to, and just to think about, like, or is it like, no, like, I really do feel better. I feel great when I can get up, do a bike ride or whatever. And I just, I feel better as a human. That, to me, is a different yeah. And It's uh, feel better. That's what I want to say. I, I'm happy. I am happy at this weight. I'm 39. And I had two kids and I am in the best shape now living my life and enjoying my life than I was when all I thought about was losing weight and restricting. So I guess that's what I wanted the message to be. But to your point about feeling better, I have two young kids. And if I don't go for a run, I'm just like, and it's not like about physical. I just, I come back and I'm like, I got my run and I just, that's my thing. And so I do exercise. I, I couldn't go two weeks to that question. I, but it's more, I can't say it's not anything about physical. I, I guess now knowing that living with balance, drinking cocktails almost daily, having a cookie or something in the morning with my coffee, getting in a, a workout and just feel like not feeling any guilt or shame about it anymore. Th- that works for me. So I want to stay with the balance program. I don't want to take two weeks off because I know that balance works for my body. Totally. Does that mean I still am not <laughs> there well, yet mentally? I think that's why I'm such a big fan of therapy in general is, and and whether or not, you know, I loved going to, and I had worked with for a long time, even after recovery, um, an eating disorder specialist. Cause I think there, it is such a niche field that just going to your standard family practitioner will not be versed in that. But I think there is something so good about 
I mean, therapy in general, all they do is hold up the mirror, right? Like they just have you look at it. And so walking through that with somebody to just hold up the mirror. And most of the time, you know, I'll, I'll have that conversation where 45 minutes in, I just spoke. They haven't said all they said. (laughs) And next thing you know, I'm like, damn it. I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Working out, you know, like, and, but that is the thing. Like, I I don't know. I guess I still kind of like, I need that in my own life. I need my own reflection on that. And and to have a neutral source, it's just like training as an athlete. You need that coach to walk you through it and not like trying to get to that full recovery, recovery point. In my opinion, takes that, like I am the biggest advocate of that just because it's like, you know, they'll be the ones that tell you like, dude, I think you're, I think you're good at this point. Like, and then you can go focus on something else, but it, it is a, a nice mirror that's held up for you to look at. So it is not about a physical ideal for you anymore, but you just happen to be in really great shape. Uh, I don't want, I don't understand. I feel like, I guess I thought we were the same. Like now we just are in shape and maintain and we don't abuse our bodies anymore. But after hearing your talk with Rebecca, she's like, you are whatever work you did, you are fully recovered and you, everything you say, and I'm jumping here like, <laughs> well, I'm not. So <laughs> I don't, yeah, I mean, I still think I, there is the aspect, I, again, it's more of just kind of like asking myself if my wife and I go on vacation, am I fine? Just not like we go on a month long getaway to Italy. Like, am I going to be itching to get to the gym? Cause I feel like it's a, uh, should I had so much pasta over the last couple of days and wine and blah, 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 go burn this off. And if that's, if that's coming up for me, then I need to address it. But again, I, I want to call, <laughs> I'm a, someone's going to, wow. uh, one of my therapy friends can be like, okay, we need to talk. But I, I, always I know kinda, you get, <laughs> go. I, I BS to a lot of the stuff just like yeah I never think about it again and and I just you know I live my life but it's not that again to me and I will defend that to the death of like recovery is I'm in Italy we've been there for three weeks I had that urge okay or even if I did I wouldn't worked out like I'm not gonna overreact and try to overcompensate for anything that happened and I'm okay. just gonna pick back up because of the fact again if someone's gonna tell me that they don't have those thoughts Dude, it is me versus a multi-billion, if not trillion-dollar industry of the fitness world that I can't even go to the grocery store without seeing like Hugh Jackman as Wolverine and not think you you want me to tell you I don't look at that and be like, damn, that's sweet. But also knowing yeah. like hard enough to know Photoshop, steroids, water retention, all the above that goes into that cover. But it, the world, Orange Theory Fitness, their logo is literally a calorie exploding. Like, mm-hmm. I used to go. <laughs> tell me all of a sudden, like, you're not, someone can't walk by and be like, oh, like, you're going to get triggered. You're walking out of the world and you are fully inundated with that messaging. So, you know, I don't know. I think it's, again, it's not about. Like, I don't ever think about it, and I'm, I'm therefore fully recovered. It's like, no, I do think about it, and I do have those competitive fires, but it is this act of like, okay, I had it. Now let's move on. Or, yeah. you know, ice cream with my wife tonight. But also noticing, 
on the flip side of like that's exercise on the flip side with food is it like hey babe let's go get ice cream i had a you know super emotional like i'm turning to food and say or oh that's rad we just had dinner or walked into the car and there's an ice cream parlor that sounds awesome let's go to it like again being able to check in with yourself and say like what is happening to me is is recovery because i don't i'm not going to necessarily buy it from the standpoint of like it's like saying someone i struggle with alcohol like oh do you never ever ever think about alcohol and like now you've gone through AA, you're recovering you've been sober my dad's been sober for 14 years i can tell you right now dude still probably thinks about alcohol like he sees the okay. commercials at the super bowl and he's like damn that sounds kind of good but i can't do it like so it's, that it's, makes it's, me feel better yeah <laughs> There's sometimes, again, that's my issue with the mental health space, not to pick just on eating disorder, but like when you can't use specifics, be real, and you have to be super vague, it creates this huge expectation that recovery looks a certain way. And that's that I, I can't buy into. So whether someone wants to call me not recovered because of that, then fine, but no. with you on it, because right. I, I want to know what you're acting you actually thinking if you're pointing out that i'm not like it's it does, a, and you and like you made it i i am obviously not a professional but i do feel a responsibility putting that book out and like the women that have reached out to me i don't want to trigger anyone or use the wrong words but i also don't want people to feel alone and be like well man i don't i'm not bulimic anymore but um i do work out like in, in the balance like you know, I worked out this morning so I can have this and you can have and clean foods and all the language that I say, I don't think about it anymore. Like I truly eat whatever I want. There's nothing off limits. I don't shame myself for it, but I like to be in shape. And I think Rebecca was even saying like, when you're fully recovered, you have to live at a higher set weight so that you're not triggered and because it's not about that anymore. And I'm definitely not there. Like I'm happier in this physical body that I got with balance enjoying food still working out a few times a week and i guess it, it is still i'm happier when i am in my best physical body so if that makes me not healed um then i'm not healed but i definitely do not abuse my body anymore i eat all day long i never like i don't even think about the behaviors that i used to practice for over a decade so i thought i'm healed like now I can help women. And he's like, no, 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 <laughs> you're not. And you need to watch your language. And like you said, too, I watch what I'm saying because I, I don't know what is the correct thing to say. But on the other hand, I want it to be just a reality space for someone that's watching this and maybe feeling the same way. And all the hard work that you did to like not do those behaviors anymore, it doesn't mean that that's all for nothing and you're not healed if you still think about I don't, like your physical body and like being in a physical shape and not have that not be any kind of thought that you have. Like you, if you're, not, if you're thinking anything about your physical body, then you're not there yet. And I don't know if I'll ever be there. Like that, I think everybody, the, the women that I know that go to, the, a lot of my friends go to the gym every day and they eat a certain way to maintain their physical body. And I don't think they have eating disorders, but is it because of my past with eating disorders that I live that way? that it's an issue, I guess I'm wondering. Because I everybody I'm around works out for their physical body and eats a certain way for their physical appearance. Is that well, wrong? Again, <laughs> and that is why, the, like, 
on one side, there is that balance. And on the other side, that's the thing that kind of drives me nuts when, when you're told to, you can't say certain things because when you just say like, Oh, I bat, you know, battled bulimia and I overate and someone's like, well, okay, great. What the hell does that even mean? And my argument is always the fact that like, again, the world applauds going in saying like, I need to go, you know, like, I remember when I was in the thick of it, I did a turkey trot on Thanksgiving day, not because I love to run. I, I fucking hate running there. I can't, yeah, right. my knees right. can't, but I did it because I was going to do my little 10 K and then go feet. And so equating Math. work to justifying what you're going to eat is not healthy. I got it. No, but you're right. If you truly love to get up and you're like, yeah, dude, I want to go work. I want to go on my little run. It's on, I did it on the ocean. It's, killer views like it's so cool yeah and that's great and it, and it fuels you that's fine same as somebody that can journal like i don't like journaling i would rather get up and do a bike ride in the mountain whatever yeah uh, but when it starts to become about like a certain equation and again that's, that's that that is the disconnect of like disordered eating to eating disorders and, and it starts to get technical but it's disordered from the fact that you're starting to equate what you're doing into justifying a certain action. Right. And I hear that. Good. Again, I'm not a clinician, but that's always where like my message isn't like I have the answers or any of that stuff. It's like, Hey, here's what I went through. Here was my struggle. And my answer is always like, if you're struggling, go talk to someone about it because then they can hold up that mirror for you. Again, I don't, I don't have, that's always been like, sometimes you'll hear it of like, dude, you should write a book. And I'm like, well, I don't have like that. I was going to say that. Five steps to recovery and like what it looks like. It's like, no man, life sucks. It's emotional. Life's great, but life can suck. And there's curveballs that how do you deal with? No professional. I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not a physical I'm not a trainer. I wrote this to inspire someone else and have them not feel alone. And I feel like I can talk to you because I know you went through it. So your story, having a professional background in it or not, may resonate with someone just to show that you got out of it. Because for so long, I was like, I'm never going to be able to stop. Again, I didn't get treatment. And I was like, this is going to be the rest of my life. And the fact that I'm here trying to help other people now and I did stop. Yes, write a book, Kelly. You're right. Um, Thanks, Kelly. You don't need to be a professional. I didn't, but it, I so many. It makes it to the people that needed to hear my story and be like, "Whoa, me too!" And look, you don't do that anymore. So that uh, you make a good point about um, if you're struggling, you know, reach out. The pandemic, like our secrets thrive in isolation. We've all been isolated for like a year. What do you say to like somebody that I don't? I can't even imagine if I was like single and I didn't have like my husband and my kids, and I was um, in an apartment for the last ten months, and you can't go out. I heard a lot of people are regressing with their eating disorders, even if they were healed. Like, I, I can't imagine. I don't know what to even say to someone. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think there's kind of been, it's, it's obviously been horrible. There's no question, but there's kind of been a blessing in disguise only from the most common question I get, especially from males is like, dude, where do you, what resources do you have that like, I hate going to the therapy groups in person because it's all women and it's hard to open up. Oh. I don't that kind of stuff. And I'm like, 
dude, again, I did my one-on-one therapy and, and it worked for me, but like I was talking to, um, Alliance for Eating Disorders and they, they're doing amazing work, like these online workshops. And I think the one thing about COVID, everybody's on zoom and whatever now that you have the ability to access and people are perfecting this telehealth, um, you can, you don't need to find somebody within a three mile radius of your home. You can get on calendar somebody or a group that could be 3000 miles away. Um, and I think, yeah, of course it's not ideal. And, and the space looks a lot different. Um, and again, I, you know, I, I thought when all this started to happen, what's going to happen to anybody that struggles with, um, exercise induced bulimia when literally all the gyms are closed i know and you want to buy a set of dumbbells and they're 400 dollars for a set of 20s you're like what like this you be like on craigslist and someone's just giving their old weights away um so it has to on top of every other socioeconomic blah 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 like it has to be crushing and so in and, and like if I could preach about anything would be trying to find the practitioners that you can reach out to and get on a zoom call start talking about it and you may not think you have anything or you do like any of that kind of stuff or you think you're over it and blah 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 like being able to just talk to someone about it um, because that was my my biggest thing was I was always so isolated in those thoughts by myself nice. and really started to spiral out of control that I was my own worst enemy. Yeah, but that's huge that you just checked it and was like, I have a problem, I'm gonna get help. I never got there. Um, I was so like ashamed of it that I didn't get the help. But you're right now just you're sitting at a computer. It's not as daunting as walking in live with like all these women, like somebody could get help. What if um, I know I, we have like a couple more minutes if um, somebody is just not sure it, like i don't know if i need help like some of this is resonating with me i don't know if should somebody reach out for help versus somebody that just kind of like thinks about their fitness and their diet i think the most basic <laughs> um the most basic way to kind of think about that would be again what do you feel comfortable with and what what is your breaking point and is that kind of unhealthy like if you're saying, yeah, no, I'm good. Like I could go a day without the gym. Well, can you go three days and does that give you super anxiety? Or, um, you know, I can, I can have this food one time, but like basically if you start to get to a point in your, in your thought process throughout the day of like stressing about food and about exercise at any point mm -hmm. and it, like an unhealthy relationship, then it's something to look into. Like if you start to feel the pressures and then noticing too, I think there's several triggers as well that you can look up that like when you start to have an eating disorder, um, females start to lose their cycle, males super low in energy and blah, 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 blah. Like there, there are certain tell signs in my, it's kind of a little bit harder for males. I feel like uh, yeah. it's a huge, huge sign if you lose your cycle like that, a, a male yeah. doesn't necessarily your body's like but, shutting off yeah right like and if you're really starting to just kind of feel like shit and you're you're overthinking all of those daily decisions and the consequence and 
And truly, if you're getting to a point of, for me, I was afraid to go to any social interaction because I couldn't control the food. I couldn't control. Or the other one is on the flip side, dude, I can't go to your birthday party because I got to go to the gym. I'll be there in like three hours. And if you guys are still hanging out, bye. But if you're starting to like balance life and everything is being dictated by food and working out, then there's an unhealthy relationship there. Patrick Deveni, so inspiring. You may not have had anyone to look up to, but now you are going to be that person for so many people that are struggling. Thank you for sharing your story. If this episode resonated with you and you think that you may want to reach out, you know, you're thinking about food, calories, and exercise a little too much, anad.org, A-N-A-D.org provides resources. You can find a counselor, therapy. Go check them out if you're struggling. It's a hard time in the world for everyone right now. We need to focus on our self-care and just making sure we're healthy. Thank you so much for listening to the Squats and Margaritas podcast. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode and I'll see you next week for a brand new episode of Squats and Margaritas.